Well, good morning again, church. Good to be together. Amen. Those of you watching, those of you listening. And yeah, we're starting a new series today. Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Like they say in Hebrew, it's Habakkuk. Amen. And uh, this series has two purposes. The first of all, the first one is to save you embarrassment when you get to heaven. Because when you get to heaven, one day some dude is going to walk up to you and says, Hello, my name is Habakkuk. Did you read my book? And you're going to go, uh, Habba, Habba what? Did, did you write the book? When? Uh, maybe it was before my time. No, no, Habakkuk, they're in the Old Testament. So pay attention, okay? So that when the guy comes and says, My name is Habba. Oh, yes, I know all about you, man. Let's talk about it, okay? That's the first one. The second purpose in doing this study is to help us to handle, to grope with difficulties and challenges and situations in our life where sometimes we think that God is not fair. And don't look at me in that tone of voice because all of you, just like me, sometimes go through things in life and you look up and you go, really? I could do better than that. If I was you, I would have done this, 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 and that. How do you handle, how do you hang on to your faith when everything around you is going haywire and is going against what you thought things should be like to you as a believer? Reporters, you know, you know, reporters, you know, they, they report what they see. Sometimes they report what they don't see. But anyway, when, when, when you read newspapers, you read these statements which reporters make. So I'm going to read some statements over here and I want you to tell me, I want you to try and guess uh, where these phrases come from. Which newspaper do you think these phrases could come from? In fact, uh, from which country could these newspapers be? Here we go. Justice is perverted. The wicked get away with it while the law-abiding citizens suffer. <laughs> Sounds familiar? Wrongdoing and lawlessness is tolerated. Where are we talking about here? Which paper could carry this Violence and destruction prevail in the news. Hmm. Uh, does this sound familiar? Is this something that you read in your newspapers that you hear about in the news report? Well, these statements actually come from a document written about 2,620 years ago. Hmm. Amen. And yeah, I'm talking about Habakkuk. These statements come from Habakkuk. Which kind of goes to show that after 2,620 years, not much has changed, has it? We've become more sophisticated in how we do injustice and how we do crime and, and how we do stuff. Much more sophisticated than back in those days. But guess what? That spirit is prevailing. Those attitudes are still around us. 
And so we're going to start a study in this book. I've told you the two reasons why we are doing it, okay? To save embarrassment and then to help us to engage in harsh realities of life, including when we think God is not fair, without losing our faith in God. And today is part one, crying out, crying out. That's what you're talking about today. Because the book starts with a cry. Habakkuk cries out to God. It starts with a lament. Habakkuk lamenting about what's going on. Complaining to God. Crying out to God. Have you ever been in a situation when you look around and it seems like the world is not fair? Like life is not fair? Have you looked up and and thought, God, this is not fair. How can all these things be happening? Lord, how on earth can you allow all this to happen? Have you ever been in that situation? Because I have, guys. And not just once, nor twice. A number of times in my life. The longer, the older you are, the more times you've gone through these situations where you cry out to God, God, why? Huh? And when that happens, maybe your faith wavers a little bit. You know, your faith gets a bit shaken, a little bit of a crisis of faith. Lord, I believe this, but now I'm wondering, God, can I believe this? And this is the kind of thing that Habakkuk struggled with. So let's read some of the opening verses of the book, and we can figure out what is going on. Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. The prophecy that Habakkuk, the prophet, received. And you'll notice some underlying words over there. We're going to get back to them just now. But look at the prophecy that Habakkuk, the prophet. That word prophecy, in some translations, says the burden that Habakkuk received. He looked around him and he had this burden. That the Lord put in his heart. He received it. And so, look what he says to God. He doesn't come, oh dear Lord, thou gracious one, thou omnipotent, omnipresent, everlasting, ever loving Father. It is so good to be in your presence, God. Hallelujah. That's not what he does. He says, now Lord, how long Lord must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or I cry out to you, violence. But you do not save. Lord, why do you make me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Nice prayer, eh? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous. They surround the righteous so that justice is perverted. In other words, injustice prevails. 
What do you think would happen if you just walk into God's presence shouting and screaming like that, huh? And some of you have felt like doing it, but you're too scared. Just in case a lightning bolt hits you or something. Because you're not supposed to talk to God like this. But guys, I'm reading to you from the Bible. This actually happened. This dude walks into God's presence and he's furious. He's, he's disappointed. He's hurting. He's, he's everything. And he holds nothing back. He tells God exactly what he feels like and what he thinks of him. And, and when you read this passage, man, that sounds so today. In fact, when I started studying the book of Habakkuk back in the beginning of August, when I started preparing for this, when I started reading the book, I thought, man, I'm reading about South Africa. As I began to read this stuff. Remember that about time we were just having all this nonsense? Oh, it's still going on, though. You know, things in Pretoria and things like that. And, but then as I, as I thought further, I said, hang on. But I know about other countries with this applies as well and I started thinking my goodness what is written in this book as kind of a, a universal meaning yes it applies to us in many ways but it applies to other countries that I know of and of course as from two weeks ago it applies so specifically to Israel doesn't it again because <laughs> remember this guy is Jewish and he was writing in Israel, in the, in the southern part of Israel. I'll get to that later. <sighs> and so, not so much has changed in these 2,620 years. Habakkuk looked around at the sin in his nation. There was so much wickedness. And it comes to a point where he begins to question God. Because remember, he's Jewish. Uh, the Israelites are supposed to be God's people. God is supposed to take care of them. And now they are breaking God's laws. They are sinning. They've forgotten about God. And so Habakkuk begins to question God. He, these are his questions. Habakkuk's questions. Do you care? I mean, God, do you care? And you must remember, when, when Habakkuk made the spray, it wasn't just one morning that he woke up and, and, and he opened up to, you know, Judah's daily news and, and he read what's going on and he had this, this burst of anger and he spoke to God. No, this had been going on for years. One Bible scholar suggests about 20 years that he put up with this and then he made the spray because the kings that were reigning in that part of the world at that time were perverted kings, puppet kings that got the people into idolatry and all sorts of sins. And Habakkuk is watching this and then one day he says, that's it. God, do you even care? How long has this been going on? Are you fair? Why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to have all these feelings? Why do I have to watch all this nonsense? God, you could do something because he knew that God could. God is almighty God. You could do something, God. So why don't you? <clears throat> In the past, God had dealt with the Israelites. He had brought judgment on them and, and he had, you know, sorted them out. But now year after year, decade after decade, and God does nothing. And he's fed up with God. Why don't you do something about your people? 
Ah, the message that that translation or that that you know sort of transliteration of the Bible, the message puts it this way in this passage. It says, God, how long do I have to cry out for help before you listen? How many times do I have to yell, help, murder, police, before you come to the rescue? Why do you force me to look at evil, stare trouble in the face day after day? Anarchy and violence break out, quarrels and fights all over the place. <laughs> this sounds like our, you know, MPs meeting, uh, city council meetings. Anarchy, uh, quarrels and fights all over the place. Law and order falls to pieces. <laughs> Justice is a joke. The wicked have the righteous hamstrung and stand justice on its head. Wow. And now, listen, people today are asking questions like that all the time. Those questions, those situations, it's amazing. You know, so much has happened in history. We've got better times and worse times. But, but right now, right now, 2023, we are back facing these things. Each one of them. And people ask questions like this all the time. People ask, why do evil people seem to prosper? But bad things happen to good people. I have heard that myself. In fact, once or twice I've thought about that myself when I look around. And I see that guy and I see that guy. I say, ah, it doesn't make sense, God. Huh? Why so much unfairness, Lord? Why do I have to struggle with sickness and disease in my family, husband, wife, kids? I do, I, I do my best to bring up my children in the ways uh, 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 right of the Lord. And, and, and they get their lives messed up. And the dude next door doesn't even go to church. And his kids are all right. Ah, not fair. Not fair. Why does that evil criminal who is a burden to society live to be 100? But that Christian mother or father dies at 40. Why? Why, 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 why? Huh? Why do those corrupt politicians go to court but are never held accountable for evil deeds? But some poor soul who gets caught in a relatively minor offense gets lumbered with the full weight of the law and gets locked up for a long term where has to pay a hefty fine. Why? These things bother me, guys, because I know of these situations. As I deal with people, as I talk to others as I share with other pastors. I hear these stories. I see these things happening. And it breaks my heart. And sometimes I go, God, I just don't understand. Why so much injustice? Why can't the police curb crime? That's what they are there for. And yet crime is growing all the time. Why are criminals getting away? On technicalities, when there is enough evidence to convict. Trust me, crazy. Why do criminals have more rights than the victims? And Habakkuk was watching this kind of thing in his day. And he blew it. He blew a gasket. And so people make these claims today and, and the list goes on. God, you could do something about this. Why don't you? How many times haven't I kind of spoken to myself or, or, or sometimes, you know, in, in, in a closed, close relationship? 
If I was God, if I was God, I would do this, 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 and that. In fact, if I, you guys can be glad I am not God. Because if I was God, I would have pulled a chain on the whole humanity project a long time ago. Enough is enough already. Down the drain. Goodbye. <laughs> so, thank God I'm not God. <laughs> I tell you what, the, the, the patience, the long-suffering that God has is beyond my imagination. All right? Sometimes you don't seem fear God. Now, have you, have you had those moments as well? You know? And, and, and when that happens, the question is, what do you do with it? Do, do you allow bitterness to creep in? Do, do you stop praying? Do you stop praising God? Do you stop going to church because now I'm disappointed and upset and doesn't make sense and God is not fair, therefore I'm not going to talk to him anymore. And people do that. What do you do when what you imagine your Christian life should be does not match your reality? Huh? What do you do? Habakkuk struggled with these questions. And we learn from this book how best to deal with these moments in our lives. And you're going to spend today and the next four weeks looking into this book. Learning from Habakkuk. Learning from his experience with God. Amen. He went from this crazy emotional state into worshiping God. His faith increased. How on earth can your faith increase when the world is falling apart around you? Well, we're going to find out as we spend some time with this book. Amen. But before we carry on with the story itself, let's talk a little bit about the book of Habakkuk itself. The background to the, the book. Background to the book of Habakkuk. The, uh, the writer, of course, is Habakkuk himself. And the name Habakkuk means to, to embrace to embrace, to, to cling. Habakkuk was a clinger. You know those guys that they cling you? Uh, that, that, that name could also imply wrestling because you know, when you wrestle somebody, you kind of grab them and then you wrestle with them and you won't let them go. That's what the name Habakkuk means. And it is so appropriate for this man and for this book because as you shall see as we go on, that's what this man did. In spite of all his fury, instead of running away from God, he ran to God, he clung on to God and he's demanding an answer now. He's not going to let God go until he finds out a couple of things. Amen? So that's his name. Clinger. I embrace. Wrestle. That's the, the, what the Habakkuk means. It was written around the, the year 600 before Christ. Okay? So it's quite a while ago it was written. Take a, take, give or take a few years. And uh, he is one of the 12 minor prophets. You find in the Bible there are four major prophets. And those are prophets which they, they, they wrote more, their books are longer, they're more extensive, and their prophecies, they cover uh, more detail and, and a longer period of time, okay, uh, and it's very significant. But then there are 12 prophets in the Old Testament, they're called the minor prophets. They're all quite short books, and they usually deal just with one or two things, and, and that's it. 
I mean, if you go to, to Daniel, I mean, Daniel deals with a whole history, you know, from, you know, from, from then until the and, and so it's a long, extensive period which he covers. But those minor prophets kind of deal with one or two matters, and, and that's it, okay? But they are very important. They're very significant. And so that, 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 the distinction in the Old Testament, because major and minor, doesn't mean that one is less, than, is less than the other, is that one wrote more extensively and more profoundly than another. So this, this um, Habakkuk as well, you know, we don't know too much about the guy. Um, from his, his style and language, those that know Hebrew, they, they, they reckon the way he wrote is of somebody who had experience of worshiping the temple. He uses language like the Psalms and uses language that was used in the temple. So it does seem that he was a temple singer who also became a priest. Now, these, these minor prophets, they, they come from all sorts. Some of them were priests. Some of them are farmers. Some of them were advisors to kings. We've got no idea who Habakkuk is. Nobody else talks about him than what is in this book. Nowhere else in the Bible you, you hear about Habakkuk. So this is what we've got. This raw material from Habakkuk. Is, but by observing, you know, his lifestyle, how he writes, it does seem then that he was a temple singer, a priest, because as he, the way he writes and what he speaks of talks about knowledge about the temple and what goes on in there. All right? And so that's who he was. And he was, of course, a prophet. A prophet is somebody who receives a message from God to give to the people. But in his case, it was, wasn't just a, a, you know, a, a simple message. It was a heavy message. And, you know, like, like, like Jeremiah, <laughs> you know, he has to give bad news to people. Habakkuk. The, the message, the burden he gets from God, the revelation he gets from God is not nice. He gets bad news. Uh, the interesting thing about this book, though, is that, you know, all the other prophets, they receive something from God, so they go, Thus saith the Lord, and boom, they, they give the message. Not Habakkuk. Habakkuk, he receives that message, he goes right back to God. God, I don't like what you're saying. Let's talk about this. <laughs> Let's wrestle. And the book is the story of his conversation with God. So you're going to hear God's message, not because Habakkuk says, Thus saith the Lord, but because Habakkuk describes his conversation with God, what he said, and what God said, and what he said, and what God said. And, and, and as you read that, you get the message. Interesting. Very different. Amen? And so, that's it. Now, he was in Judah. Now, the kingdom of Israel, if you remember, um, you know, David reigned over the whole you know, Saul, David, and Solomon, they reigned over the kingdom of Judah. But after Solomon, the kingdom was split in half. And the top half, with, the, with ten tribes, they had a capital in, 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 in Samaria. And uh, the bottom half was the kingdom of Judah. So the top, the kingdom of Israel. The bottom, the kingdom of Judah. And the capital was in Jerusalem. And that's where he's writing from. Now, about the time he's writing, the top kingdom had been hammered by the Syrians, which were hammering them, Okay. And then the Assyrians were coming over, and then the Babylonians would come over and kind of take over the, the southern kingdom. So it is before all this happened. Now, when the northern kingdom went, they went because they were also turning their back on God. They were practicing idolatry. They turned their backs on God. And so God allowed the Syrians and the Assyrians to come and disperse, took them all away, disperse. You, you're still here today of the lost ten tribes. 
Because in the Assyrians came, they took the Jews, just scattered them out throughout the whole northern region of, of Asia. When the Babylonians came, they took the, the Jews to Babylon. They kept them there. And then later on, when, when the, the, the Persians came, they allowed the Jews to come back to Jerusalem. That's why the, the southern part is still maintained. But what I'm saying is this, that the northern part had been hammered. You would think the southern part said, oops, we better fix our ways. Otherwise, we might be next. No ways. They continue sinning. They continue ignoring God. They continue in idolatry. They continue following the flesh. And Habakkuk sees this. And he's not worried about the, what's happening in the north. He's not worried about the, what's happening outside. He's worried about his people. Because he can see, these guys are looking for trouble. And so that's why he's talking to God. And so it's, it's, it's very unique, this book, in that it records this conversation. There is a message for the people, but you're going to get that message by reading the conversation. From the Africa Bible Commentary, this is a, a Bible commentary written only from theologians here from Africa. And they say the following. The book is written in the form of a dialogue between the prophet and God and deals with one of the great mysteries that continue to trouble us, the apparent triumph of evil in a world created and ruled by a good, loving, and sovereign God. Can good triumph in a situation that seems hopeless where evil reigns? It continues. Next, does God really intervene? And that's the question that sometimes you ask. When evil happens, war in Ukraine. What is God going to do about it? <laughs> Your personal problems. What is God going to do about it? You've prayed so much. And so they continue. Does God really intervene? Habakkuk was a prophet of social justice who wrestled with God in questioning and courageous prayer, yet who also had unshakable faith and hope in God. Such a courageous servant of God is desperately needed in Africa today. Amen. I'd say in the world, but of course, we, we Africans, so let's talk about Africa. We need people like this, men and women that will wrestle with God. That will talk to God about the social injustices without losing their faith. Without embracing some weird doctrine or some weird religion. Or no religion at all. As we shall see in the coming weeks, the book begins with gloom but ends in glory. The book has three sections. It has three chapters and three sections, although not every section is one chapter. They kind of overlap. The first section is the first complaint and God's answer. We've just read the first complaint this morning. Next week, we'll talk about God's answer, okay? And you think, okay, that's it. He complains, God responds, he's happy. No, he's not happy. When God answers, he complains again. Ever happened to you? You say, God, no, yeah, 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 yeah. So God responds. And when God responds, he says, no, God, not like that. So, the second section is second complaint and God's answer. The first section goes in chapter 1 from verse 1 to 11. Second section goes from chapter 1, 12 to chapter 2, 20, the whole of chapter 2. And then the third section is a psalm of worship. Chapter 3 is actually a psalm of worship. It's praises. It's glorifying God. How do you go from gloom to praise, from gloom, from doubt to faith? <laughs> That's what you're going to find out over the next couple of weeks.
It begins with a lament, but ends in celebration. And, and although you may not have heard, you may not have read this book yet, but some of the verses in this book are quite well known. Ever heard of the just shall live by his faith? You've heard that? Huh? No, nobody. <laughs> okay. The just shall live by his faith. It's quoted three times in the New Testament. It comes from this book. Ever heard that verse? God is going to do something so amazing that you wouldn't believe it if you heard, it. You heard that? And very often we say that, but we don't understand the context. Because God is going to tell Habakkuk, I'm going to do something so amazing you wouldn't believe. And when God tells him, Habakkuk couldn't believe. <laughs> but you're going to see when you get there, it's not what you think. We tend to, to twist that little verse a little bit to be nice to us. And when God says, I'm going to do something great, it's not always comfortable. Did you hear that? When God says, I'm going to do something so great, you wouldn't believe it. You get, oh, yeah, 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 yes, yes, yes. Blessing, prosperity. No, when God says, I'm going to do something great, it's not always comfortable. Because God is more interested in intimacy with you than in keeping you happy. You can write that down. Intimacy. You don't get it only through happy moments. Sometimes there's pain involved. Habakkuk found that out. And we are going to learn as well. So, it's going to be an exciting series, but a little bit uncomfortable at times. Okay? So, here we go. These opening verses provide the first lesson from the book, which is, whatever pain or distress you are going through, have it out with God. Okay? Go to God. There are many sections in the Bible where you'll see lament. It's not strange to the Bible. Many of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. Here's one. Psalm 13 verses 1 and 2. For the director of music, a Psalm of David. Yay, right. David is going to write a song. He's wrote a song. It's a song of David. It's going to be a happy song. Here we go. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Like a song, eh? I came in a minor key, you know. And here we go. How long? <laughs> It's a song of lament. Christmas coming up. Da, do, da, do, by the rivers of Babylon. Da, da, da. And it's a, it's a nice rhythm. It's a happy song. But go read the words. It's a lament. There we sat down. There we wept. When we remembered Zion. The Jews are in Babylon. They're away from home. They're in captivity. And they're thinking back of home. And they're crying. But they're just crying with a lack of rhythm. That's all. So it, it, it feels better, you know. But the Bible has got so much of this. Lament, lament, lament. Huh? And sometimes our faith gets challenged. And, and like the prophet, we want to tell God want, what to do and how to do it. Like I said before, the word prophecy over here is a burden. A burden is a heavy message, an unpleasant message. And when Habakkuk realized what was going on, and when the Lord gave him that burden for his people, it was heavy. And although there was a threat from outside, he was worried about the threat from inside. And very often, it's the threats from inside that destroys us. 
Sometimes it's our own inner weaknesses which destroy us. It's our own inner battles. It's the, the room we make for the devil that destroy us. It's not the outside enemy. It's the inside. Remember when he did the resilient series? Those unconverted areas. And if you don't do, take care of those unconverted areas, they become weaknesses inside us, which destroy us. And Israel, their problem wasn't the, the Assyrians or the Babylonians or the Persians. Their problem was themselves. And that's the message that Habakkuk has for them. And it's breaking his heart. And think, but God, you are their God. Why don't you sort them out? <laughs> yeah. Does it trouble you when you see nations that once honored biblical values and now have turned their backs to God? Does it trouble you when you see your suburb, your city, your nation disintegrating because people don't care any, about anything except themselves? No regards for others. No regards for neighbors. No regards for neighborhoods. We go through disillusionment and often we get disillusioned because first it was an illusion. We thought it was going to be this way. If I'm going to follow God, everything is going to be okay. I'm never going to get sick. I'm never going to have a problem with my wife, with my husband, with my kids. We're going to be so gloriously happy. <laughs> it's a disillusion. It's an illusion. And when that doesn't happen, you get disillusioned. Because nowhere in the Bible does it say that you believe in Jesus, your life will be a bed of roses. Jesus warned you in this world. <laughs> it's going to be bad. You're going to have trouble with a capital T. So, and, 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 and when that happens, when you face those crises in our lives, we have to make a decision. Do I go to God with this or do I walk away from God with this? James chapter 1 verse 2 and 4 says the following. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may, much be, may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see now, we all want the last part. Oh, not lacking anything. That's me. I don't want to lack anything in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't like the first part. Trials of many kinds. It starts with trials of many kinds, and if you endure, it ends with lacking nothing. And this book shows us that when you're prepared to trust in the Lord, in the middle of trials and hold on to Him, embrace Him, cling to Him, you will find joy, your faith will increase, and you will find peace. You may go through a season of doubt, but if you hold on to Him, at some point, He's going to take your faith to a place of intimacy with Him, trust and security. That you never dream possible. But you must be willing to go through the season of doubt. Clinging to him. Be angry. Shout. Cry. I don't care. But cry to God. Hold on to God. And say, God, I'm not happy. God, I'm suffering. God, I'm struggling. I don't understand God. But I'm going to hold on to you. I need you in my life now. And through that, he's going to take you through. Amen. Listen, some people are afraid of questioning God. In some religions, you cannot question God. You dare not question God. But our God, He welcomes questioning. God can handle our questions. We can ask God the hard questions. It's okay to shout to God. I've had shouting matches with God. I've had arguments with God. And in every single one, number one, I'm still alive. No lightning bolts. 
And every single one, he allowed me to have my tantrum. And when I quietened down, he spoke to me. He corrected me, instructed me. Our relationship became stronger. But I had to run to God with my crying and my shouting and my anger and my doubt. If I can get away with it, you can get away with it too, okay? But it's biblical. God invites us. God can handle our questions. Real faith helps us to turn to God, not away from God. And also from these opening verses, we learn something about prayer. Here we go. You see, uh, talking to God and, and crying out to God is prayer. Number one. Turn to God in prayer instead of going numb. Sometimes when, 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 when tragedy happens, when pain comes, when disappointment comes, we go, <sighs> you go numb. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. And you just, no, don't go numb. Talk to God. You see, that numbness, you get overwhelmed by these emotions and you begin to do this. You, you don't want to suffer. You don't want to talk about it. You don't want to see anyone, anything, and not, not even God. I'm not going to go to church. I'm going to read my Bible. I, I, I just want to be alone. I just, 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 just lost my eight. But this is not good. Don't go numb. Go to God. God, I don't know what to do. God, I'm feeling numb. God, this thing is overwhelming me. So whatever you're going through, go to God in your quiet place of prayer, and talk to him. There's, there's, it's, 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 some circumstances are so overwhelming, we go numb, but pray. Go to God with your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings. Number two, lament what is wrong. Some people are going through pain. Pain of loss, pain of injury, pain of problem at work or something. And then they come to church. And you're going with them. Brother, how are you? Oh, praise God in the name of Jesus. I'm fine. I'm blessed. Hallelujah. I'm the anointed one. The other day I met a friend. I says, how's it going? Oh, praise God. You know, I'm blessed. Well, what's the word they say? I'm, I'm blessed and anointed. And then da, 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 da. I said, okay, now get all that stuff out of the way. Really, how are you doing? How's things going at work? How's things going at your life? And then the stories came. Major tragedies, and we could talk about it and pray about it. But we think, no, we must have positive confession. I cannot say that I am sick. I cannot say I've got a pain here. No, 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 no. I am healed. Now, come on, man. Mourn your loss. Mention, state your pain. And then go to God with that. Trust God for healing. Trust God for, for, for cure, for everything else. But say it. Mourn what is wrong. Lament what is wrong. We've seen it. It's biblical. David did it all the time. And he was a man of the God's own heart. God liked David. Because with David, what you saw is what you got. When David was cross, he was very cross. When he was happy, he was very happy. When he was good, he was very good. When he was bad, he was very bad. But he always ran back to God. Huh? Number three, keep your heart tender towards God and the world. The overload of bad news these days and the constant information tends to harden our hearts, tends to desensitize us. And if we are not careful, we close our hearts to God 
and we cannot hear his voice. If you're not careful, we close our hearts to people and you lose touch with the reality of people's pain. We need to learn to trust God with our frustrations while also trusting God with his timing and his promise. Amen? Listen, a committed believer can express questions and faith simultaneously. I, I can come to God without and yet never stop trusting him. I've got faith in God. But I can express questions I've got. Nothing wrong with that. Because I can come with a question to him and yet keep trusting in his love and faithfulness. I can question without losing trust in who God is. Amen. A key principle we learn from Habakkuk is this. Real faith helps us to turn to God, not away from him. Let's say it together. Real faith helps us to turn to God, not away from him. Have you got real faith? What are you going through today? What are your questions? What questions, frustrations, or doubts are you wrestling with today, right now? If God could answer one question, what would you ask him? When can you take time this week to be open and honest with the Lord about that question that you're thinking about or those situations you're struggling with? Bring some of your deepest concerns to the Lord. Make time this week. Get alone somewhere. Get quiet somewhere. Lock the door of your study, your room, the toilet, whatever. Park your car in a safe place and have, have it out with the Lord. Be honest with him. Those things, just, just, just cry out to God. Why? Because real faith helps us to turn to God, not away from him. Habakkuk cried out to God, and God answered. His answer, you'll hear about next week. Let us pray. Dear God, we live in a real world. And although it is lack of for us to get together here and and worship, and sing, and celebrate so many wonderful things. In spite of all this, there are challenges in our lives, Lord. There are moments of pain. There are moments of doubt even sometimes. Moments of questioning. But Lord, we choose, Lord, and, and we learn today from this book of Habakkuk, that we can run to you with our pain, with our questions, even with our doubts. You are not afraid, God, of being spoken to by our challenges. You invite conversation. You invite dialogue, Lord. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters today, those present here, those watching, those listening. Lord, help us to have that kind of raw boldness and raw honesty like Habakkuk had. To just run to you, God. Embrace you. Cling to you, Lord. And then say, cry out to you. Cry to you, shout to you, complain to you, be mad at you, even God. But holding on, clinging on to you, Lord. Not letting you go. And expecting you to answer. To guide. To strengthen. Oh, God. We need you in these days, Lord. We really need you, Lord. And so we thank you that you are there. Help us to have that kind of boldness, that kind of faith.
that kind of clinginess. In Jesus' name. So we thank you for this time together. And now may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon each one of us as we leave this place this morning with a determination to cling to God no matter what we are going through. We'll cling to God in the good times. We'll cling to God in the bad times. We'll cling to God in the in-between times. But no matter what's going on, we will cling to God. In Jesus' name, amen. Go and have yourselves a clingy week. Amen. God bless you. See you next Sunday.